Hello and welcome back to Renoites for a brand new season of episodes. We just had a break for a few weeks, but we're back with a whole new season. My name is Connor McQuivy. I'm your host as always. Renoites is the podcast where I talk to all kinds of interesting and important people here in the biggest little city, sometimes political folks, elected officials, nonprofit organizations, arts organizations, a little bit of everything I try to do. It's been fantastic having so many great guests on the show, and I'm very excited about this upcoming season. Thank you so much for listening. This week on the podcast, I am welcoming Marina McCreary. She's from Keep Truckee Meadows Beautiful, who you might know for their annual community cleanup event, the Truckee River cleanup event, and Christmas tree recycling. This is the first episode of the new season coming out January 3rd, and Christmas tree recycling is going until January 10th. So if you have a Christmas tree and you are not sure how to get rid of it, you should be recycling it. There's more information in the episode, and I will put that in the show notes as well. They're doing Christmas tree recycling until January 10th. Marina and I had a great conversation about what Keep Truckee Meadows Beautiful does, why we do recycling of our Christmas trees, how to recycle various materials, how to participate in the annual cleanups, the Adopt-A-Spot program, a bunch of stuff about how we can keep this area beautiful. So I'm very grateful that Marina came on the show this week and looking forward to sharing that conversation with you. If you enjoy the Renoites podcast and you'd like to help it be a little more financially sustainable, there is a very easy way to do that. I have a Patreon account. It's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Renoites. And there you can sign up to support the show financially for as little as a few dollars a month. It makes a huge difference covering the expenses of creating this show. And I'm very grateful to everyone who supports the show already. Thank you so much for my existing patrons. And if you are not yet, I hope you'll check out the site, learn a little bit more about why I do this show and how we can make it continue on into the future. And a quick special thanks and shout out to Vicky Musney and DJ Trivia, who have been fantastic supporters of the show. I am a DJ Trivia host. That is my part-time job. So some of you may know me from Trivia as well. I host several nights a week all around town. But DJ Trivia has a ton of venues. If you have not played, I hope you will check it out. It's a lot of fun. It's a really great business for our community. You can go to DJTriviaSierraNevada.com to see all the venues around Reno where Trivia is available. If you have any suggestions for guests or episode topics or things you'd like to hear on the show or just any feedback in general, I would love to hear it. You can always shoot me an email, Connor, C-O-N-O-R at renoites.com. And make sure you're following me on Instagram, too. That is the most common social media and easiest way for you to get a hold of me as well. That's at renoites on Instagram. And now, this week's guest, Marina McCreary. Marina McCreary, Beautification and Cleanups Program Manager from Keep Truckee Meadows Beautiful. Welcome to Renoites. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hello. I'm so glad to be there. Thank you for having me. Yeah, excited about it. So Keep Truckee Meadows Beautiful is an organization that does what its name says, Keeping the Truckee Meadows Beautiful, I assume. Mm -hmm. Can you just tell me a little bit about what Keep Truckee Meadows Beautiful is? Like, what's the history of it and kind of what do you do? So um, Keep Truckee Meadows Beautiful was founded in 1989. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization focused on sustainability education and active community involvement through cleanups. Gotcha. And how, yeah. and how long have you been involved? What does uh, your, your role do and how long have you been doing it? Yeah. So um, I first started with KTMB in September of 2021 as an AmeriCorps volunteer. So that is a termed position that was 11 months long. And then um, after that term completed, I went on a real cool road trip for a month. And then when I came back into town, my previous supervisor left the organization for um, uh, the 
Nevada Humane Society. And um, the position came open and I had basically already been doing the work just on the AmeriCorps level. And so they offered me the manager position. So it's been about a year and a half now that I've been with KTMB and I've loved every second of it. It's been such an amazing place to work. Nice. Where did you go on your road trip? Uh, I went down to San Diego to visit a cousin and then I went all the way across the South through Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, um, Mississippi, Alabama, and then up through Smoky Mountain National Park, Shenandoah. And then I spent five days in Acadia National Park. That was the end goal was to go to Acadia. Nice. And it was absolutely gorgeous. Oh, I love that. And then on the way back through, I stopped at uh, Niagara Falls and visited a friend in Chicago and my parents in Western Nebraska and then came back to Reno. Amazing. So yeah. many great places. I did this giant road trip in 2018, uh, but it was like almost a, an entire year long. And mm-hmm. the goal was to visit most of the national parks. And I followed a very similar route of going like, nice. yeah, it started in the winter. So uh-huh. I went like south <laughs> to get away from the cold and then, yeah, across very, very similar route. So uh, yeah, tons of beautiful places. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so beautiful. Smoky Mountain was my absolute favorite. I would love to go back and yeah. spend a whole week there. It was... It, yeah. There, there were so many that I was like, oh, I wish I could spend longer here. Even mm-hmm. with even with an entire year, this is such a giant and beautiful country. I was like, um, you could travel forever and not mm-hmm. see all of the amazing things mm-hmm. here. Um, anyways, back to Reno. Sorry. <laughs> I talk about all these beautiful places outside of Reno, but we're beautiful here too. Yeah. One of the things that we wanted to talk about today, this is the first episode of the newest season of Renoites. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this one at the beginning of the year is you do Christmas tree recycling. That's a big one of your yes. initiatives. So can you just tell me, um, first of all, what is the time period for recycling? This episode comes out January 3rd, I think, okay, or yeah. something like that. So Christmas tree recycling starts every year the day after Christmas, so the 26th. And then the end date is a little flexible depending on where in the week Christmas falls. Um, this year we're going to uh, January the 10th. And we have um, six drop-off sites. We have three fire station sites at Spanish Springs, Washoe Valley and Lemon Valley. And then we have three volunteer staffed sites. Those are at Bartley Ranch, Shadow Mountain Sports Complex and Reno Sports Complex. And so those ones, we have um, five volunteers during the weekdays and 10 on the weekends that um, help folks remove the tree from their car and uh, stack it in the pile. And then those trees get chipped into mulch, which are then used for beautification projects during the year all throughout Reno Sparks, Washoe County. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So why? Um, what happens to trees if they're not recycled? If they're not recycled, um, one of the big issues we have is people um, just like dumping them in the desert, which is a huge fire hazard. Mm. Christmas trees get real dry and crispy real quick, and then they just light up super fast. And so we're trying to mitigate people dumping trees in places where they're not supposed to. And um, other than that, folks will just send them to the landfill. And the landfill is a limited resource. There's only so much space that we have to put things in there. So the fewer number of things that we can send to the landfill, use them for other purposes, the better. So this serves that purpose. These trees are mulched and that's used in projects here in town. So it really does save a lot of trees from going to the landfill. Mm-hmm. Are there Christmas tree pickups? I know that there's other organizations. Yes. Yeah. We've like partnered with the Boy Scouts of America and there are three days that they are doing um, pickups. So you can register on the Boy Scouts website and um, it's $20 and they will come to your home, pick up your tree from your driveway and then they bring it to us and then we receive a portion of those funds that the Boy Scouts charge for those pickups. So if, if you're unable to take your tree yourself for whatever reason, there's a pickup service out there for you. Excellent. Um, just more broadly in terms of the environment, what's the difference between like real trees and fake trees as far as sustainability? I've heard that like farmed Christmas trees is actually a relatively sustainable thing. Yeah, it is relatively sustainable. And like it, it, it depends on how long you're going to use that artificial tree. If you're just buying it because you think, I don't know, black t- Christmas trees are super trendy 
trendy this year and the next year you're going to toss and get something different, that is not sustainable. However, if you're going to use that tree for decades, that's a great option. Um, I personally have a little three-foot fiber optic one that used to belong to my grandma that I bring out every year, so it's really nice to reuse those things. In terms of live trees, those are very sustainable particularly if you're cutting them yourself. Um, you can visit the Forest Service websites or the BLM websites and go out and see areas where folks can go out and cut their own trees. And that helps with forest management and overcrowding, which is an amazing thing. And then those trees, um, you know, use locally that mulches then also use locally, which is a really nice full circle program. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, have you, I've never gone out and got my own Christmas tree. Have you done that? I did that last year and it was so much fun. We went up um, someplace near Truckee and uh, snowshoed up a hill and got this little like six foot tree and brought it back down. It was really fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I had a Christmas tree for the first time in a really long time last year. I don't have one this year because I moved my furniture around. I don't mm. really have a space for it in my apartment. But last year, for the first time in probably a couple decades, I had a real live Christmas tree in my mm-hmm. house. And it was great. It was really nice yeah. to actually, uh, you know, the house smells like a tree. I, oh, that smell. That pine smell is so good. Oh, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was awesome. So now I'm trying to make that more of a, you know, I have Christmas decorations now, uh-huh. which I never did before. So I'm getting into the Christmas spirit and the tree helps yeah, a lot for absolutely sure. Absolutely, it does. Uh, so, I mean, Christmas tree recycling isn't the only thing that KTMB does, obviously. A big part of what you do is these neighborhood and community cleanup projects, which I see. I know there's a giant one that you do every year that's kind of like a big event, but Uh then it's throughout the year too. Yeah, we have two other large cleanup events. The next one is the Great Community Cleanup. That's at the end of April this year. And for that one, we um, like to focus on illegal dump sites. So we'll have some areas out in the North Valleys, particularly um, in Sun Valley. We partner with the Sun Valley General Improvement District since there's areas of that community that immediately border BLM land. Mm. And it's a super popular area for people to go out um, four-wheel off-road driving and recreational shooting, which is all well and good. But people also go out there to dump things that they don't want to take to the landfill or just like aren't unsure of how to get rid of stuff. And so um, we partner with a couple of the off-roading groups here in town. The Reno Area Dirt Riders and the Hills Angels in particular really give us uh, a lot of support and assistance out there. Um, They bring out a lot of folks and clean up so much stuff that has been dumped out there in those areas. So that's a a really neat partnership that we have with those folks. Nice. What does it look like for volunteers who sign up to help with these great cleanups? Like, what does their day look like? It depends on what site you choose. For the Great Community Cleanup, there's at least 20 different site locations. So there's a project for everybody. We do mulch spreading. We do um, flower planting, litter pickups, um, the illegal dump site pickups. So there's a lot of different kinds of things that people can do. So if you're not someone who wants to go out into the hinterlands and pick up giant pieces of metal, that's not for you. A lot of times we have a flower planting at Bicentennial Park, which is a really more family-friendly kind of event. So there's really something for everyone in these events. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I've seen the um, the Bicentennial Park flower planting mm-hmm. times where there's just a ton of people out there. Yeah, yeah. That park is so popular for planting projects. We partner with the, um, oh, it's the Reno Rotary. Yes. Um, there's a few different Rotary um, clubs here in town, and I believe it's the the Reno Rotary that has adopted Bicentennial Park. And there's a lady, D.B. Fennell, who heads up all of the, the planting projects there. She's amazing to work with. And um, every July, around the 4th, um, thereabouts, we have a flower planting project there to get some annual um, flowers in for some uh, 4th of July colors and whatnot. And I think this last year, we planted close to 5,000 bulbs at Bicentennial Park. So there's, there's a lot of work that goes into keeping that park beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
What about throughout the rest of the year? So there's these big community cleanup events. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you do throughout the year as kind of like ongoing stuff? Yeah, we also have um, the Adopt-A-Spot and Neighborhood Cleanup programs. And then every month we have the KTMB-hosted monthly cleanup. Um, So folks who are interested in the Adopt-A-Spot cleanup program, we ask those organizations to um, choose a location that best works for you. There's lots of areas um, within the Reno, um, Washoe County area that are available for adoption. And groups go out um, at least three times per year. It's really popular for people to do like a spring, summer, fall kind of cleanup. Mm-hmm. And then we also ask that they participate in one of our annual events, that being the uh, Great Community Cleanup, Truckee River Cleanup, or Christmas Tree Recycling. And then after their second cleanup, they get a sign just to show that like they are hosting the cleanup at this location, which is really nice for advertising. If you're a business who wants to get the word out, like this is an option for you to show that you care about the community and want to be involved kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then we also have um, neighborhood cleanups. If you're not interested in a long-term commitment, if you just want to, you know, spend a Saturday doing something, you and your friends can uh, come together and just do a a one-time cleanup at a, a spot that best works for you. Nice. What's the Truckee River cleanup event? You said that's one of the other big. Yeah, that events. one's at the end of, or that's going to be mid-September this year. I think it's September the sixteenth, and um, that one um, similar to the Great Community Cleanup, but we focus on river sites and um, education on non-point source pollution, which is pollution that doesn't come from a specific location. And so we do storm drain stenciling in uh, partnership with the city of Reno, where we have folks go out with spray cans and stencil, um, you know, uh, water drains directly to the river from storm drains. Mm-hmm. And so for that, it's it's really important for people, if you're washing your car, take it to a car washing site rather than doing it in your driveway, because all of those suds and dirt and stuff that's on your car is going to go straight into the river, which is not cool. And so also with the Truckee River cleanup, we do cleanup sites all along the river, Oxbow Park, Mayberry Park. We had a site last year um, at Carcione Open Space out near Mogul, which is a new one. It's a, a really cool area, super popular for hiking and fly fishers and whatnot. But there's like some old crusty stuff that we're trying to get rid of out there. And then way over in Sparks, we've got um, Larkin Circle, which is kind of an industrial area, and it's super uh, popular for houseless people to park there and leave things. And so we like to to come in and clean up the stuff that, that has been left behind. Gotcha. Yeah, I had an episode earlier this year or last year, I guess now that this is the new season with um, with one Truckee River. And mm-hmm. a big thing that they talked about is the like runoff from, from yeah. fertilizers and yeah. from everything basically that ends up coming from your house mm-hmm. runs downhill and ends up in the river yes. probably if you're not careful about it yes um so f- for ktmb is a big part of the focus the cleanup versus the prevention or kind of how do you see your role is it more of cleaning up what's already been done mm-hmm. or is it preventing an education kind of what is the, the balance of those things we we kind of do both things so we have um, a youth education department that's headed up by um, my good friend caitlin Aitchison. she and her americorps they go out into schools and teach lessons based on um, waste weeds and watershed that's in the hopes of like educating the community that like in an ideal world, my job would not be necessary so that these um, young people can go out and be educated on how to be more sustainable consumers and just, you know, make sure that they're not adding to the problem. We also have a sustainability education department that's headed up by Kim Rios. She's also an amazing human. And she does um, green biz certification. So if there are businesses who want to figure out how to operate more sustainably within their enterprise, that's an option. 
Kim also does um, things like community symposiums. Last year, we had a really cool composting workshop. We partnered with uh, Moana Nursery on that one. And um, we had, I think it was like 60 or so folks come out for free and learn how to compost at home. And um, she does a lot of work, which is like educating um, the adult uh, community on how to be more sustainable and uh, reduce, reuse, recycle and Mm -hmm. all that jazz. Uh, What kind of things do people not realize creates pollution? I mean, we all know not to litter, right? Uh If you you litter, (laughs) you can see the garbage on the ground. Uh, Are there things that people do that lead to pollution in our community that they might not realize that they're doing? So like the whole, a lot of times around New Year, people do like a, that New Year purge at home and getting rid of all the stuff that they've had sitting around. And they come across all these things that they're not sure how to get rid of. And then they just chuck them into the dumpster rather than going through the work. And it, it can really be a lot of work figuring out where to dispose of stuff responsibly. It can be a big chunk and that's not always accessible to people. But on our website, ktmb.org slash recycling, we have a search bar in there. So if there's something that you have that you're not sure of how to get rid of, you can type it into there. Like if you're like have a mattress or a refrigerator, if you got some old paint cans, you can type that into the search bar and it will come up with a bunch of options here locally, Reno Sparks and some Carson City options as well as uh, how to get rid of stuff and where we can take things that should not go to the landfill. Gotcha. Yeah, I looked at that the other day and was impressed at how thorough it is. It's an amazing resource. (laughs) I would never even think, like, stuff that I don't have, but it's, like, anything you were thinking of. It's like, oh, how do you get rid of a tire? How do you get rid of, Mm -hmm. um, like, various types of chemicals? What can you do with batteries? And you also, I noticed, link to the other organizations that you would work with, right? Yeah. So like you say, oh, well, you want to recycle this. Here is who you contact to recycle Absolutely. this. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, um, and that's all Kim Rios and the sustainability department. They put a lot of work into managing that recycling guide. We make calls out to everyone we have listed on there biannually to make sure that they are still accepting the things that we have listed mm. them as accepting. So it's pretty well kept up to date. How do you prioritize what projects you think are the most important or, or that you put the most resources and energy into? Is it mm-hmm. uh, like, what are the, the, the low, low hanging fruit, the easy stuff? And what's like <laughs> the big projects? And how do you kind of, you know, focus your attention on the things that you think are the most impactful? Yeah. So for my role, I'm really focused on our big annual events. That's my job is coordinating the the great community cleanup, Truckee River cleanup and Christmas tree recycling. And so it's been a real tricky thing to kind of fit in other things along with that. And that's where last year we developed the monthly cleanups because other than the Adopt-A-Spot and neighborhood cleanups, we didn't really have an option for individual people to participate outside of those big cleanups. So Mm. we wanted some kind of resource for people who weren't part of a group or organization to be able to participate. So on a monthly basis, starting in February, weather dependent, we do the monthly cleanups. And I am really wanting to tackle some of like the the in-town illegal dump sites. There's an area um, near Wedekind Regional Park um, on Pyramid there that's a popular off-roading and and shooting site as well. And there's just a bunch of junk out there. And that is one that I am like determined to focus on for the great community cleanup. There's a few businesses around there that I'm hoping to partner with so that we can use the parking lots for our volunteers to head up the site there. And so that that's one that I really want to focus on this year and because there's so much trash there from the businesses along um, Pyramid Highway that gets blown into Wedekind Regional Park. And that's one of the last open spaces within Sparks. It's a huge park and it's absolutely gorgeous. And it's just a real travesty that there's just so much trash from the highway and wind that gets blown into there. Mm. And so just like, 
I really want to target that specific site. When people see illegal dumping or they see large quantities of trash where it does not belong, what should people do? Who do they contact? Like, how do we inform the people who need to be aware of these things about where illegal dumping is happening? How do you keep track of those things and how can people inform you or the city or whoever? If people see illegal dumping happening, that's uh, call the um, non-emergency dispatch to make sure that we can get some, if it's actively happening, we want to, you know, try and stop that, mitigate that process as -hmm. as quickly as possible. Um, uh, But if it's found after the fact, you can contact KTMB or whichever municipality um, the dump site is located in and we'll put it on our list of places that we want to tackle. It's kind of a long list. It takes a while to get to all the places. And and like I said, KTMB is a nonprofit. We have a small team of people. We can only do so much. So, you know, individuals reporting things really does help us out along that process. Excellent. What's, um, what's some of the history of KTMB? How long has that been an organization? And uh, what's the background? Yeah, so it started in 1989. So it will be turning 34 years old this coming year. I believe it started as just like a group of concerned citizens who were, you know, seeing a littering problem and, and wanted to help um, you know, help that not be a problem. Christy um, was the old executive director. She was one of the founding members, and she did a lot of work building up the organization. KTMB is also an affiliate of Keep America Beautiful, which is, um, you know, a larger organization which helps do litter mitigation all throughout the country. And so we have an affiliation with them, and we do some reporting on our activities to maintain that affiliation. Just generally, I feel like the goal is more volunteerism, getting people to take an active interest yeah. in their community. Yeah, active community involve- involvement is part of our mission statement, mm-hmm. along with a few other factors there. And it's when people become involved in their community, that place-based sense of home, when you take ownership of a place, it makes you more invested in making sure that you know it's a nice place to be. Um, so that's a, a real big piece of, of the puzzle is that building the community investment in place so that people you know feel at home here and want to take care of it. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Like if people don't seem to think that they can do anything about the trash or whatever in their neighborhood, uh, what do you do to get people to to care more about the things that are right in front of them. Um, that's where the sustainability department really comes in clutch. They go out and they talk to people and show them like, this is where you live. These are the issues that are that you face. And here are a list of things that you can do actively about it. And here's why and how you should care. Yeah, um, a big piece of of the, the Reno area is the Truckee River watershed, which starts at Lake Tahoe and then runs to Pyramid Lake. Um, this is a neat watershed system in that it's a terminal system, meaning that once it reaches Pyramid, that's where the water stops. It doesn't run to an ocean like most other watersheds do. So it mm. all stops at Pyramid Lake. And so part of the whole process is making sure that this watershed is kept clean. It really is the lifeblood of this community. Reno would not exist were it not for the Truckee River and, and the water that it provides. And a lot of people you know, don't think about, you know, where does our water come from? It comes from the Truckee River. 80 to 85% of Reno and Sparks drinking water comes straight from the river. So it's an extremely important resource that we really need to take care of. Otherwise, you know, we don't have anywhere else to get our water. Yeah. How do you collaborate with other organizations or with, uh, you know, government entities? What does that look like as far as collaboration with other organizations? Yeah, we have so many amazing community partners. City of Sparks, we do the um, storm drains stenciling with those folks during our large annual event. So that's a a beautiful partnership there. Um, We also do a lot of tree plantings with City of Reno. We also partner with Tumwa, the Truckee Meadows Water Authority. (laughs) 
got it. Yes. I, I, I knew it. I, I, was, I, I did know it, but I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> yeah. So we partner with the Truckee Meadows Water Authority. They um, give us some locations that might need some attention. They help us do community outreach and tabling events to just raise awareness. Um, we do a lot of tabling events starting in the spring all throughout fall. If there is a community event happening, KTMB is going to have a table there so that we can reach the community, educate more people on what we're doing and how they can be involved. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned you have education for kids, too. There's like a kids program. Yeah, yeah. That's the youth education department. If you have a kid or um, are a teacher, check out our website. You can schedule um, lessons um, all the way. I think it's beginning third grade is is when we start tar- targeting kids. Um, and we go all the way up through um, high school education. We're working on developing some specific middle school and high school education curriculum right now. But we've got great elementary lessons right now. And so if people are interested... You can go to the website and our um, KTMB educators will come into the classroom, take over for a full hour. So it gives the teachers a little bit of a break if mm. they've you know, got something going on or it's great to um, fill in if there's a substitute teacher kind of thing. And we'll come in for a full hour and teach a lesson based on either waste, weeds or watershed. So you can choose which one you want or you can do all three over a series. We don't do like all three in a row right in the same day. We kind of like space it out by mm-hmm. at least a week. And then um, if a classroom completes all three lessons, Lessons, they get this neat little certificate that they are waste weed watershed warriors. That's just a really fun little program. Oh, awesome. Yeah. How, yeah. Do, you, how do you make environmentalism and taking care of your environment uh, fun and interesting for kids? Because I know it's sometimes hard to make kids care or it, be interested in things. It definitely <laughs> can be hard to make kids care. But it's, it's all about like framing it in a way that is approachable for them. So there, there's a lot of like game-based learning. One of my favorite activities that the youth ed does, there's this hula hoop system that they do where the, it shows that like, if this hula hoop is the landfill, how many um, kids representing trash can you fit inside the landfill? And like, you know, it's, it's a small hula hoop there's only so many kids you can fit inside Mm. it and then what happens if we break that up into composting recycling reducing reusing and the landfill look at how much leftover space is in the landfill and so that's really kid fun for kids to like be all scrunched up in the landfill and then see how much more space they have Mm. when they're um, broken out into the the other waste receptacles kind of thing gotcha yeah Uh, what do you hope will happen if you educate kids more about the environment is part of this that you're teaching people from a very young age to take more care for the environment. And then that has like long-term yeah, effects absolutely. over years and decades. Yeah, so like in a perfect world, the cleanups would not be a, a thing that we need to do. It's a, a real tragic piece of the puzzle that there is so much litter out there that needs to be picked up. Um, so in an ideal world, we can educate all of these kids and the community and businesses on how to r- reduce the amount of stuff that they are you know, creating and sending out into the world. We've been talking a lot about the three R's and how to reduce, reuse, recycle, but there are actually five R's. And the first one is refuse. So like if there is a thing that you don't need, if someone's trying to give something to you and you don't need it, refuse it. You don't need it. You don't need to take it home. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So just like, and and that's, you know, it kind of, um, tr- you know, trickles into the reduce kind of thing, but reduce is just like, you know, using less and refusing is just not using the thing at all. Oh, I love that. I've not heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I really like that. I've yeah. never heard that before, but that seems very smart. Even if, you know, if you come to a KTMB table out in the community and we're trying to give you um, some, like, you know, bamboo utensils, if you're not going to use it, 
refuse it. Let someone else take it who's actually going to use it so that it will be, you know, be used appropriately rather than just, you know, sit in a drawer or get chucked in into, uh, you know, the thrift store donation thing or, you know, you know, some people throw those things away. So if you don't need a thing, don't take it. Love that. And you said yeah. so. You said there's five. There's yeah. Refuse. So there's the refuse and then reduce, which we're all used to, you know, use less of the thing, reuse, use things again, use it in a different way, repurpose, um, recycle, you know, make sure that you're sending things to recycling facilities that can actually be recycled. And again, if you're not sure how to recycle things, visit the KTMB website. We've got that recycling guide that'll tell you exactly where to throw things. And then um, I think it's something like, 80% of things sent to the landfill is food waste. And food waste can rot, which is the last R. So composting is a really important piece of the puzzle that saves a lot of space in the landfill. And we've got um, one really great option, the down-to-earth composting here in town, which is an amazing service. They've got the drop-off stations at um, all around town and at the farmer's markets, or you can pay a little extra to have them come pick it up for you, from your house. So if you live in an apartment and backyard composting is not available to you, that is an awesome option. Hmm. Yeah, I used to live in Portland, and they did curbside composting. Mm-hmm. They, I, I lived there when they rolled it out, and they basically gave every residents a little compost bin and then they would have a green bin for pickup Mm -hmm. that you would put it out just you'd put out your trash your recycling and your compost that's amazing Uh, and it was just very normal for everyone to compost their food waste because Mm -hmm. it was right there what else can you tell people about composting because i think for at least for me so i live in an apartment i don't really Uh have access to uh like a compost heap myself right but can you just talk a little bit more about composting and why it's important and, and uh whether it's easier to do than people realize. I know there's different ways of doing composting. Yeah, composting is such a neat thing. Um, On the website, we have a blog specific about composting and doing food waste. So you can visit our website there and do some some awesome reading about that. Um, But I also live in an apartment and I recently um, signed up with my three neighbor friends. And we all live in the same building. And so we share the cost of a compost pickup from down to earth composting, which is super awesome. So in my kitchen, I've got this old um, takeout container that I, I think I got from like a ramen noodle place one time. So I'm reusing that plastic container um, as my little compost in my apartment. And so when I'm like cooking or, or you know, chopping an onion or whatnot, all of that food scraps will go into my little countertop compost collector. And then when that gets full, I'll just take it out to the bucket that just lives out on our stoop. And then once a week, Down to Earth Composting comes up, picks it up and, and takes it away for us, which is amazing. Down to Earth has partnered with Full Circle Composting down in Carson City. And so that's where that all goes and gets managed by there. And then they have this really neat program where I think it's like once or twice a year for being a compost subscriber, you get a kickback of um, really awesome potting soil that you can use at home, which is a really nice program. But for folks who have a backyard, there are compost tumblers that you can use. So you can have the similar countertop compost collector. And then when that gets full, you take it out to your tumbler and just rotate it whenever you walk by it. And that helps it decompose more quickly. And then you can use that in your yard as well. Excellent. Have you always been interested in environmentalism and taking care of nature and the community? Kind of what's your background that brought you to the yeah, kind of work you're doing? It's it's been a long and windy road to get to to this chair here. So um, I uh, started out in college as a music major. I went to a community college and then a, a private university for a total of six years for vocal performance and music. So um, karaoke is one of my very favorite things. <laughs> That's still how how I participate in music in my daily life. Yeah. R.I.P. The Point. Oh my God, I am. 
so tragically sad about the point. It was my spot. I was a regular there. I am like genuinely upset that the party <laughs> it, it was like it, it was the karaoke place for yeah Reno, right? yeah my favorite it was like it wasn't a bar that did karaoke it was a karaoke bar mm-hmm. and I, I loved it and i am so sad i'm so sad about it but uh but yeah so you what brought you to the environmental stuff sorry guys yeah no karaoke <laughs> <laughs> karaoke and I, i'm not a karaoke person but i'm very aware of that, yeah the importance of the yeah so the i did music for six years and then um i discovered kind of late in the game what it actually meant to be a music professional and um i have never had the chops to be an educator that's just not where i fit in in the world and then when i learned what it actually looked like to be a professional musician that was just like that is not the life that i want for my Myself. And so um, I dropped out of school, had a bunch of odd jobs for a while. I worked at a bank and an art gallery and a newspaper, and I just did a bunch of stuff. And then I discovered um, through a friend back in Nebraska, the natural resources world. And I volunteered for a while doing a bird banding station with the Colorado Conservancy of the Rockies, which is a really neat program. What, what is that? Yeah, so bird banding, they have these things called mist nets, which is this really fine net mesh that you just kind of stand up on these poles early in the morning and birds fly into them because you can't really see them. And so you go like every 15 minutes to check the nets and you extract the bird from the net and um, you figure out what species it is and take some body measurements and then put a little band on their leg. Other people call them a ring. And that allows you to track that bird if it gets caught again. And that helps um, track bird migrations and how many of what species are coming through at what times kind of thing. And so they use that data for conservation and management efforts. And so through volunteering with that organization, I was introduced to the whole natural resources world. And so I went back to college at Chadron State College in um, the Northwest Panhandle of Nebraska. And I got a degree in rangeland management ecology, which has been super amazing. I, I absolutely loved going back to school. It was really neat going back to school in my late 20s to like think of college as job training rather than like just going to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that focus really helped me change my approach to education. And um, once I graduated, I had um, a few seasonal jobs with um, the University of North Dakota doing um, rangeland plant inventory, which was super cool. Um, my first AmeriCorps term was with the Great Basin Institute, and I was based out of Carson City, and that was a seed collection project with the BLM with a program called Seeds of Success. So we would go out to remote areas and camp for up to three or four nights a week and collect species of interest, and those seeds were then later used for conservation and restoration projects, like at post-fire or mining kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was an amazing job. I essentially got paid to pick wildflowers for that year. It was amazing. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and then I I had another seasonal job in Idaho with the University of Idaho. We would go out and capture these birds. They're called sage grouse birds. So we'd go out in the middle of the night, trap the birds and put radio collars on the females so that we could track where they were laying their eggs and and see how successful their clutches were and uh, what was impacting their population dynamics. And then I came back to Reno for the KTB AmeriCorps term. Oh, right on. What's your experience been or the difference between kind of the uh, like urban ecology stuff you're doing right now mm-hmm. versus the wildland ecology stuff you were doing before? Or do you like one better than the other? Or like, what's uh, what's that like kind of going from one yeah. type of environmental stuff to another type? The thing I miss most about like the rural conservation is just like being outside 
all day long. I really miss the fieldwork type dynamic where you're just out there doing your thing. You write your numbers on the sheet and then you come back home and, and you're done for the day. With this job, I still get a fair amount of outdoors time doing site visits and I get to work the cleanup days, but it's a lot more like logistics and planning mm. on my side of things now. So it's it's a really different kind of work dynamic, you know, just like how much you're outside and how much you're getting to move around. Yeah. How do you think that the city and the county and kind of like the local government organizations do in terms of keeping Truckee Meadows beautiful? I mean, obviously there's work for everyone to do. Yeah, there's uh, definitely work for everyone to do, but everyone truly is doing their best job possible. Um, we've got great partnerships with the uh, city of Reno, city of Sparks, Washoe County. Um, there's a lot of folks that work in the parks and recreation departments of each of these municipalities that are really out there doing the work. They have their own volunteer programs that we um, also participate in. It's it's really a, a scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of um, thing that we have going with all these municipalities. And everyone is, you know, doing our darndest to keep the Truckee Meadows beautiful. How have things changed? Did you say how long you've just been in Reno? Have you just been in Reno since? It's been about, let's see, I moved to Reno in February of 2020 for the GBI position. Oh, okay. And so, and it's it's been kind of some back and forth, um, but I guess it's been about uh, two-ish years that I've been here in Reno. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I was going to ask, um, if I always ask guests, like, how have you seen things change over the years? Uh-huh. But if you've only been here a couple of years... Um, Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I, I've, I've definitely noticed just like so many like luxury housing developments come into town, which is great for people who can afford that. But uh, I feel like uh, affordable housing is something that is missing from this community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm very interested in kind of how cities grow and change. So I guess that's a good question for you as far as like urban development and how we build cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have mm-hmm. any thoughts or experience on kind of how the way we build cities and the way we grow ties into what makes a city sustainable and clean yeah and so one of my biggest pet peeves and how cities sprawl is the whole urban sprawl thing of just like building bedroom communities like the north valleys is an, a, a perfect picture of this there's just houses out there they're lovely houses it's a great place to live there's you know a lot of reasons to live there but it would be so much more beneficial if we would plop down little communities out there like that like you know put a main street out there with some businesses that people can walk to and enjoy their community rather than having to drive you know a half an hour or so to get down to town to do all the stuff you know like these walkable communities really help people again feel that like you know place-based ownership Mm. of of where they're living and so if, if you're having to travel between these two places, it, it creates all of this extra time and effort and energy um, that you're missing out on from, you know, having, uh, you know, a local walk shed. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. And I guess it probably also creates this sense that the the place you're going to is not your home. Like if, yeah. you're, if you're driving 20 minutes to somewhere, uh, it probably feels like it's not actually your home or your neighborhood yeah. and you care a little bit less about it mm-hmm. where if you are staying, you know, within mm-hmm. a, a smaller circle, mm-hmm. it probably creates like a natural sense of ownership because you're there all the time. Yeah, yeah. And like it's it's so easy for housing developments to say, oh, here's this empty chunk of land. Let's put down 50 houses and and that'll be great. And, and that is great to have places for people to live. But like, you know, high density housing is also an amazing solution where you can put this many more people in a smaller amount 
amount of space that's, again, using less of a resource. And then we can, you know, use that space for other things like coffee shops and parks and, you know, other, you know, stores that people want to go out to and build community in in these places where there would only otherwise be houses. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard the argument before that um, urban ecology, like if you want to, say, address climate change, if you want to take care of the planet, one way to do that is to focus on urbanism and build more density Mm -hmm. and that leaves more space for for nature. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's that's an interesting <laughs> approach because a lot of times I think when we think about uh, saving the planet, it's very much focused on on conservation, on the uh-huh. on the rural, on the outdoors, on the nature stuff, but I think a lot of the work is actually urban work rather oh, yeah. you know it's it doesn't seem like nature work but it but it is <laughs> right it absolutely is you know anywhere there are people there is conservation work to be done mm-hmm. tell me a little bit more about the adopt a spot thing what kind of spots are there to adopt are these yeah. just like um you know, is it neighborhood parks or is it just like open spaces? Like what are the, what do those spots look like? Yeah, it is all of those things. So there's um, adopt a river, adopt a park, adopt a roadway, adopt an open space. There are all of these locations that people can choose to adopt. So if there's a, you know, a particular area that really calls to you, um, that's definitely an option. We've got open spaces within um, Washoe County that definitely need some attention that are, you know, some maybe further outlying areas that we would love if people would come and adopt. A lot of uh, organizations really want to adopt like places along the river because that's a really well populated area where people, you know, are going to see that sign. The sign is a really big incentive for most of our people who are participating in the Adopt a Spot program. And Mm -hmm. that's great. But we would love it if people would also focus on areas that really need the attention rather than just like, you know, which area is the most popular. Right. Yeah. So it's if you're just looking at the sign, you Uh might be looking at the place that is, you know, close by and Uh well populated (laughs) and doesn't actually need that much cleanup work. Right. Gotcha. That makes sense. You mentioned some of the litter with uh, unhoused community. I know a lot of people Mm -hmm. who are unhoused end up living by the river or parks that are on the river. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about how to address that? Because I had an episode previously with uh, with Grant Denton, who's Mm -hmm. very involved in the unhoused community. And he talked about just the the amount of waste that is produced when you are unhoused is just higher because yeah. there's so many disposable things. There's mm-hmm. not trash collection. Yeah. And like they don't have the resources, you know, to, you know, to keep food fresh. And so, you know, single use plastics is oftentimes the only thing that is available to these kinds of people. And if that is what is keeping them alive, these single use items, you know, that I'm definitely not going to nag on that. These people need to do whatever it is they need to do to, to maintain their, you know, personal integrity and just, you know, being alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but resources for these people are so important. You know, I know there's, there's some folks that go out and deliver food, which is amazing. But I feel it's really important to have, you know, public restrooms is a huge deal there. In my opinion, there needs to be more of these facilities, not just for houseless people, but for also the general community to use. You know, if there are more of them, uh, it, it's more accessible to everyone. And it really destigmatizes using these if there are more of them and available mm-hmm. to everyone kind of thing. Yeah. That, well, yeah. When I had the episode with One Truckee River, that was one of the things that they're mm-hmm. actively working on is trying to install yeah, more restrooms along the river for everyone. Mm-hmm. Because I think that there are a lot of people who might not go to some of these parks because mm-hmm. there's not a restroom nearby and sometimes yeah. you gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. We all gotta go eventually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing I always wonder about with, uh, especially with unhoused people, is is trash collection. Is mm-hmm. that there's often not, uh, there's not a dumpster, there's not a trash pickup. Yeah. Is that something that you have looked at or worked with a city on or, or made an effort? to have more kind of like solutions for 
the trash that is generated? That is a piece that we um, really leave to our friends at One Truckee River since they're really focused on that mission. Ours is more on just kind of like the cleanups side. Um, we will go into an area. Um, we particularly like Barbara Brennan Park and um, John Champion Park along the river is a real popular area for houseless people to just hang out and be. And um, we have some partnerships with um, Nevada Hopes. And those are folks who have experience with houseless people or maybe used to be houseless themselves. And they will go out and um, I think they've adopted that area and they will, will do um, periodic cleanups along there. And we also target those areas during the uh, Truckee River cleanup as well. Nice. What What's the easiest way for people to get involved? I often ask what's the best way, but I think I need to start asking like, what's the easiest, simplest way for someone to have some impact without having to, you know, do a lot? Because uh-huh. a lot of people, you know, they're busy. <laughs> a lot of people don't want to do a lot. Right. Uh, so like, what's the low hanging fruit if people want to get involved or do more for the local environment? Yeah. So um, volunteering is always an option. Right now with KTMB, we've got the Christmas tree recycling. We have a huge need for volunteers mm. for this program. After New Year, when folks start, you know, uh, holiday plans have, have seized, people are going back to school. We have a huge need for volunteers for Christmas tree recycling. You can sign up on our website. We have the monthly cleanups every month. You can volunteer at those. And those are usually like a two or three hour cleanup that you can just like drop in, pick up some litter or plant a few plants or rake some mulch and then head on on your merry way. We also love it when people donate. KTMB is a nonprofit. That's a way that you can be involved is please give us money for our <laughs> um, business operations. <laughs> what is uh, what is volunteering with the Christmas tree recycling look like? Like I said, this episode's coming out with still a week or so left of Christmas yeah. tree recycling. So if someone hears this and is like, oh, cool, I want to help with that. What um, what should they do and what will it look like for the next week for them? Yeah, so um, visit our website, ktmb.org slash volunteer. Um, we've got three sites, Reno Sports Complex, Shadow Mountain Sports Complex, and Bartley Ranch. So if there's an area that's closest to your home, check out that. We have our volunteer shifts broken up into morning and afternoon. The morning goes from 9 a.m. to 1, and then afternoon is 1 to 5 p.m. And so folks are there for four hours in the morning or afternoon. And as a volunteer, it's a really easy volunteer job. We're out there just asking folks, driving through, dropping off their trees, is it okay if we help you remove this tree from your vehicle? And then the trees get stacked in a big old pile, which are then later mulched by our municipal partners. And then we ask for um, a $5 donation for um, program operation costs. And then we give folks um, a postcard with a link to the KTM website and um, resources for recycling. So that's it's really simplistic. It's a, a very easy way to meet some people who are interested in, in similar things as yourself, who want to be involved in the local community and, and making our little area just a little bit better. Excellent. Uh, what did we miss? What else do you want people to know about keeping Truckee Meadows beautiful? Not necessarily the organization, but the, the work of keeping Truckee <laughs> or the organization itself. Yeah. Like, what, what didn't we cover that you want people to know? Um, we also have like an amazing communications department. Chris Ewing is our communications guy and he does all of the website design, all of the posters, all of the media outreach. He does an excellent job on uh, reaching out into the community and letting people know like what we have going on. So if you look at our website, that is all his work. He does a fantastic job on keeping that up. Um, we also have our um, development and community outreach program that's um, headed up by uh, Michelle Hohen. And um, she's the one who writes all of our grants and is building connections within the community to see how we can partner with org- other organizations and and just make the work that everyone is doing um, be really focused so that, you know, we're not duplicating efforts so that we can make sure that, you know, Reno Sparks, Washoe County is, you know, it's on a mission to be more sustainable, reduce, reuse, recycle, all of that great stuff. Excellent. Well, 
Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was really good to learn about how I live right by the river, basically. So <laughs> this I, is an amazing yeah. spot. Yeah, the river is just right there. Um, we do river walks pretty frequently also. That's a really neat program that we have within the sustainability department. Um, you can sign up for a river walk, which is an educational forum on like, what is a watershed? How does it work? How is it affected by people living here? And what can we do about it? And then that's often partnered with a cleanup afterward. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, it's great to learn about kind of what these efforts are, because I've seen people very often during the community cleanups mm-hmm. and knowing a little bit more about how those have come to be and yeah. the purpose of them is always really helpful. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Oh, really thank great. you so and, much for having me. And a great way to start this season with an episode that is about the environment and keeping Reno a beautiful place because that is always a high priority for me so kicking off the season with uh talking about recycling and keeping the areas beautiful like Mm -hmm. that i think is a, a great way to start this new year yeah thank you so much this has been such a pleasure listeners thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of renoites first of our new season appreciate you checking it out and special thanks to marina mccreary my guest on this week's episode for coming on the show to talk about keep trucking meadows beautiful and for all the work that she puts into creating these events if you enjoyed this episode please do me a favor and help spread the word my goal for renoites this year is audience growth listenership growth i have been so privileged to have so many great conversations with amazing people in town and i would love for more of our community to listen to them and to participate and to know what's going on. The only way that happens is with word of mouth for a project like this. So tell your friends, tell your family, um, buy a Renoite sticker and put it on your laptop or your hydro flask. Anything you can do to help spread the word about the show makes a huge, huge difference. So thank you so much for your support. And that's all I've got for you this week. See you next time. (laughs) 